Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We start our exit interview series with Ohio State as they fell to Georgia in the Peach Bowl 42-41. to It is Wednesday, January 4th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. I am Lance Glenn. The Buckeyes came up just short as the clock hit midnight Eastern on January 1st as Noah Ruggles missed a 50-yard field goal that would have won the game for Ryan Day's squad. Now, as their season comes to an end, change is in the air at key positions, and questions are still left to be answered as to what's next for the program. And joining me to discuss where Ohio State goes from here is Patrick Murphy, Ohio State beat writer for Bucknuts. Patrick, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate you giving me some time today. Yeah, absolutely. It feels like just yesterday we were previewing this game, and now here we are talking about the end of the season. Obviously a great game, 42-41, to 41, like I said before. I missed field goal literally as the clock struck midnight on January 1st Eastern time. Uh, timing, perfect if you're a Georgia fan. Maybe not so much if you're an Ohio State fan, not the way you want to ring in 2023. But nonetheless, a great game just for college football fans uh, as a whole. And we're now a few days removed from the loss to Georgia, right? Ohio State fans, I assume, have now had the time to reflect on the game, reflect on the season, what went wrong, what went right. As you view message boards, hear from fans, form opinions yourself, how would you characterize the season and the way it ended for Ohio State? So close, but just not able to cross that final finish line. Well, look, the the goal this year, the goal nearly every year for Ohio State, but especially this year with what they had coming back on offense, um, the, the changes they made this offseason defensively, with especially on the staff, the goal was win the national championship. And that went along with beat Michigan, win the Big Ten, and make the college football playoff. The Buckeyes accomplished one of those four. So if you're you're keeping track at home, that's 25%. I think fans, depending on who you talk to, understand what this game was. You went toe-to-toe with the defending national champions, the favorite to win the national championship. Even now, as, as we record this, headed into the game against TCU. I think most people view that game as basically the pseudo-national championship, and that's no disrespect to the Horn Frogs. But... This season will be looked at, I think, with a lot of what ifs. There's the injury front. What if Jackson Smith and Jigba had played all year? Travion Henderson was in and out of uh, Ohio State's rotation at running back because of injuries. A number of other guys on defense were hurt. And then you go into this game, Mayan Williams is sick. The running back uh, headed into the game. He only plays a few snaps. More guys get hurt. Cade uh, Stover, the tight end, leaves with back spasms. Marvin Harrison Jr., obviously the the big hit in the end of the third quarter that knocked him out of the game. So I I think Buckeye fans will always look back as as what if for this season and and just kind of knowing that it never was exactly what everyone 
hoped it would be because of a number of different things and, and injuries is certainly a part of that and, and you know kind of played out as a, a microcosm of the season in this game against Georgia. Yeah, and you mentioned all those what ifs and yet Ohio State still in the Peach Bowl was up 38-24 at one point. Uh, obviously Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, the hit at the end of the third quarter really kind of flipped the game on its head. Uh, they only go up 38-24 at that time. They were up 35-24 if I'm correct when the hit happened. I'll only get a feel on the drive. Georgia ultimately ends up coming back and wins 42 uh, to 41. So we mentioned how we talked not that long ago previewing this game. And one of the questions I asked you was prior to the game, what it meant for CJ Stroud's legacy. Now that the game's in the past, his career at Ohio State over with his performance against Georgia, which was spectacular, right? How do you think he will be viewed 5, 10, 15 years down the line in the eyes of Ohio State fans? Because they certainly didn't lose to Georgia because of him. He put them in position to win not only on the last drive, but really throughout the entire game. I think it was important for CJ Stroud to play his best game in his last game, just from a perception standpoint. Look, he doesn't have a win against Michigan, which is something that has become standard until last year. He doesn't have a Big Ten title. He did make a college football playoff appearance, so at least he can check that off. But you know, if he'd gone out and played mediocre, certainly if he'd played poorly, Ohio State fans w- would not have remembered him nearly as fondly. Now, he is two-time Heisman Trophy finalist, technically the first Ohio State player to, to ever do that because they didn't have finalists back when Archie Griffin won twice. He's got, I think I went through the record books the other day, and he's number one or number two in all of the main passing records. And he did it in two years as a starter. The guy who's behind in a lot of those numbers is JT Barrett, who was essentially a four-year starter. So that side of things, he certainly produced... I think if you look at his losses in his career, he always put up numbers. Um, you know, the, even the loss to Oregon, his second game as a starting quarterback, playing with what turned out to be an injured shoulder, he, he statistically was still pretty good in that game. Lost to Michigan last year, very good. It was more on the defense. And then you flip to this year, same thing. Played well against Michigan, did throw two late interceptions, and then obviously played really, really well against Georgia showcased his ability and willingness to run when he needed to, which is something that Ohio State fans have waited for. I kind of expected to see some more of that, but just the way he did it, some of those longer runs where he made guys miss or, or you know followed blockers was better than even I expected from him. So the last memory of CJ Stroud, despite it being in a loss, a disappointing loss, I think will be something that turns Ohio State fans that that had any questions about where he ranks and keeps him in in the conversation for those top quarterbacks. But losing to Michigan twice, not winning the Big Ten, those are something that that people who want to be negative towards Stroud will always have to hold over him. Um, He's mentioned it a few times, but I do think that he certainly helped his legacy with the way he played in that game. And of course, it was a C.J. Stroud run that got Ohio State into field goal position. I think it was a 27-yard run on the last drive. Obviously, ended up missing the field goal. Uh, But I want to stick with quarterbacks because it is the biggest question mark this team has to answer heading into next season, replacing C.J. Stroud. I think Kyle McCord is the early favorite to win the job. Obviously, Lincoln Kineholtz, uh, their 2023 signee, is going to be a true freshman, so he seems unlikely to really be in play. Obviously, Devin Brown was a top five quarterback for us at 24-7 Sports last cycle in 2022, so he could potentially challenge Kyle McCord. How do you foresee that room shaking out? Do you have any early predictions or any early theories as to how it might go as the offseason you know, progresses? Well, first of all, I think it really will be a quarterback competition. This isn't one of those where I think for sure, you you know, you go into the offseason, the coaches are talking quarterback competition. Like a few years ago, I think everyone knew CJ Stroud was going to be the guy. I think this will be. Um, and I think what will ultimately, I mean, obviously how the guys play in practice, but will ultimately come down to 
between Kyle McCord and Devin Brown, two talented players, is how Ohio State wants the offense to look because you have some options here. Kyle McCord is is much more of the Dwayne Haskins, CJ Stroud. He can move around some, but he's he's much more of a pocket passer. You know, five star kid, very talented arm. Devin Brown, maybe not quite as polished as a passer, though still very good, but much more mobile. And you look around college football and even in, in these games, the ability to have a guy who can pick up five, 10 yards. Uh, you know, I'm thinking back to, to watching USC play, even watching TCU play. Stetson Bennett does it at times for Georgia. Bryce Young did it for Alabama. It doesn't have to be a guy that runs for 100 yards and can't really throw the ball. But if you want, if you're Ohio State and you want to kind of get back to what Justin Fields was able to do or JT Barrett, those type of guys, to have that, you know, ability to negate a uh, defender and, and things like that. Urban Meyer used to talk about that all the time, using the quarterback in the run game. Then Devin Brown's probably your guy. So I think it'll be a combination of, you know, who looks better and, and kind of commands things in uh, in the offseason, but also what what way Ohio State wants to go. And we talked to Devin Brown, Dave Biddle, uh, my coworker, talked to Devin Brown, wrote a story about it at the media day at Ohio State. And he talked about how when CJ Stroud was gone for the Heisman Trophy ceremony, it allowed him to kind of step into a leadership role. And I assume Kyle McCord did as well. We, you know, it was just kind of a one-on-one thing with Devin Brown. But interesting to hear from, you know, what was a true freshman this past season that he was able to kind of do that in Stroud's absence. So I would not be surprised if Devin Brown wins this job because of that mobility. I, I do think it will be a true quarterback battle throughout the offseason between those two. Yeah, and of course, that's what everyone will have their eyes on. Everyone will have their eyes on who's going to replace C.J. Stroud, who's going to be the next Ohio State quarterback in the long line of great Ohio State quarterbacks uh, over the last decade plus. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more Ohio State as the Buckeyes now prepare for the 2023 season. You're listening to the College Football Daily. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Back here on the College Football Daily, Lance Glenn joined by Patrick Murphy of Bucknuts. So Ryan Day, he's 45-6 and six as head coach, but of course, two of those losses, two of the six, came to Michigan in the last two years. He hasn't won a Big Ten title since the 2020 COVID season, hasn't won a national title, has been to a national title game, but obviously wasn't able uh, to beat Alabama in that 2020 season. Heading into 2023, what is the level of pressure on him? And I'm not saying he's on the hot seat or anything, but the expectations in Columbus are to beat Michigan, win the Big Ten, and win a national title, and he just frankly hasn't accomplished any of those the last two seasons. I think it's a similar conversation to what we were having with CJ Stroud in terms of needing this game to to have played out in, in a positive sense. And, and I think it did. Once the 
emotion is kind of taken out of it. Uh, you know, you're, you're like I said earlier, you're one point lost to the national defending national championships, potentially the national champions again this year. But the difference is Ryan Day has to come back next year. So there's more to build on, as you alluded to. He certainly will have pressure on him. I think it will be more than this past year because, as you said, you've lost to Michigan twice. But I do think the fact that you made the playoff and you were competitive offense was certainly not the problem, and that's been his forte. It will be interesting. There was this report by Kirk Herbstreet that uh, came out on uh, January 2nd that Ryan Day is at least considering giving up play-calling duties uh, to kind of focus on the big picture of being a head coach. Obviously, there's a lot that goes into that and probably even more now than ever because of NIL and Transfer Portal and everything that goes along with it. So maybe stepping back to, to take on a, a more manager role than being kind of the guy in the offense. Of course, he's one of the best offensive play callers in the country. So he will have to find someone who can handle that. And the Buckeyes currently don't have an opening on their staff. So you imagine it would be somebody already there. It will be interesting to see what Ryan Day decides. I think we just talked about that quarterback decision that is going to be very huge for what he is able to accomplish next year the Buckeyes don't have it easy in 2023 they go to Notre Dame talented Penn State team that just won the Rose Bowl comes to Columbus you you have to go to Michigan at the end of the year so you know there's there's potential for for some some tight games some upsets maybe even uh, on that schedule so yeah there's there's certainly questions about what the future of Ryan Day will look like but um, you know I again I think having that way or that performance in the Peach Bowl certainly loosened sort of the the tight strings maybe uh, kind of fans had around his neck and, and made them realize, look, this is still one of the best coaches in the country. You know, it's interesting you brought up him potentially uh, giving up play calling and, you know, shuffling the staff to maybe promote someone to become that play caller uh, because my, ne- my next question involves that same coaching staff. The biggest move of last offseason, in my opinion, was the hiring of Jim Knowles, the defensive coordinator, to reinvent and restructure this Ohio State defense. And at times it, it looked great and it looked like he was working his magic. But at other times, specifically as the season wound down, it was reminiscent of 2021. How would you grade Jim Knowles' first year as defensive coordinator now that that you were able to see that progression of it from game one against Notre Dame to game 13 and ultimately the final game against Georgia? I would say it was good, not great overall. At times, this defense was was really good. Now, they did also play some some offenses that were really bad, uh, even in the Big Ten, a team like Iowa that, that never got it going offensively. So so that helps the numbers. But look, this, this defense went from outside the top 50 to a top, I think they're 11, top 12, something like that. So certainly progress was made and you know, it was a lot of the same players, but in the biggest games against the best offenses, they allowed big plays and they couldn't get stops when they needed to. And especially in this game against Georgia, you, you think about one stop, one more stop would have been enough to win the game. And you were really good defensively in the third quarter. Iowa State, I think, only allowed, I want to say, 37 yards in the third quarter. And 17 of those came on one play on the last play or a pass from Stetson Bennett. So, look, this defense definitely did some good things. And I think year two under Jim Knowles, another year to, to kind of teach his philosophy will, uh, will help. But they certainly have to, to look back and figure out what went wrong in those two games, why they're giving up these big plays. Certainly look at the secondary where they brought in Tim Walton as cornerbacks coach and Perry Eliano as safeties coach. And, you know, I'm not sure that anyone will, will lose their jobs after one year, but they're going to have to be some tough conversations. I also think 
you look at Larry Johnson, the defensive line coach, who's been at Ohio State for, for a long time now. Is this still the right man for the job? You know, Larry's getting up there in age. The defensive linemen haven't produced at Ohio State the way that he was doing his first several years there. The recruiting has been hit or missed, especially this past cycle. So do you look to kind of move on to a, a new, def- younger defensive line coach, excuse me, with you know, different philosophies, maybe something that meshes more with, with what Jim Knowles wants to do. That could be a, a possible conversation at the very least for the Buckeyes, but they certainly will have, have some things to, to look at on the defensive side after these last two games. So Patrick, I'll let you go on this one. As you watched the season through and, and reflected on it since it ended, what do you think are Ohio State's biggest areas of need to address this offseason in order for them to get back to that next step, to get back to the level of 2020 and, and before when they were winning Big Ten titles, beating Michigan and competing for national championships? Well, it starts with the conversation we were having at the beginning with the quarterback. You got to get that decision right. Um, and I think you have two really good guys on the roster. So that that just comes down to to who wins the job. You're going to probably lose both tackles on offense on the offensive line. Got to figure out who steps in for them. Maybe you lose your starting center and guard. Both Luke Whipler and Matthew Jones could also declare for the draft. So, you know, the kind of that middle of the offense has some question marks. Defensively, like I said, with the defensive line, there needs to be more production there. They have the talent. There's no doubt about that. You have guys like JT Tuomalau and Jack Sawyer, two five-star kids that will be juniors next year. Um, You've got talent in the interior and Michael Hall Jr. and some other guys. So talent's there. The secondary is going to be the biggest question. And maybe you address that with transfer portal. You know, Ronnie Hickman's gone. Lathan Ransom could, I believe, leave. Cameron Brown is gone, um, the cornerback. So you're going to lose some guys, and, and maybe you have some guys. Sonny Styles was, was a five-star kid who, who reclassified and was a freshman this past year. There's certainly some guys in the program, but do you look to go out and get an experienced cornerback? Ohio State decided not to do that a year ago, preferring to kind of continue to develop the guys they had. And I think you could say, you know, if you'd gotten it right, getting a cornerback out of the portal, maybe things are a little bit different this year. Um, you know, maybe you don't give up as many of those big plays. So I know those were a, a handful of things there, but those are going to be the big talking points, I think, for Ohio State this offseason. Yeah, a lot of questions now as Ohio State heads into 2023. A lot of a lot of things they have to straighten out, a lot of things they have to, to figure out. Obviously, all on Ryan Day as the Buckeyes, again, fall to Georgia 42-41 and I'll look ahead to next year and potentially getting back to the college football playoff, potentially beating Michigan and potentially winning a Big Ten title, which would be their first since 2020. You can follow Patrick on Twitter at underscore Pat underscore Murphy and make sure to head on over to Bucknuts as well for all the best coverage on Ohio State. Patrick, as always, appreciate the time. Thanks so much for coming on, man. And remember, think of us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and head on over to the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel and click that subscribe button as well. So for Patrick Murphy, I am Lance Glenn. Thanks so much for listening to the College Football Daily.